All right, we are live. Good to see you today, my crypto friends. We're here on the EOS podcast, and we have a special project for you today. We have Eva.coop, the Uber of blockchain, coming to you today. So we've got the team here. We've got uh, Darden, who is the Chief Optimization Officer. We've got Raphael, who is the Chief Technical Officer. We've got Jake, a team member advisor, and from the wonderful show, The Dapcast, where he goes through these daps. You can also find Eva on The Dapcast that uh, Jake did a show on. So um, let's get started here. And uh, Darden, why don't you tell a little about yourself and the team can introduce yourself and then we'll get into uh, the next next part here. Well, first off, thank you for the invitation. That's really great. Uh, so let's appreciate it. Uh, so uh, my background is, uh, is not in uh, is software engineering or anything like that. Uh, I did a bachelor degree uh, in political science at McGill University, Montreal. Uh, I've been a military officer, infantry officer for three years. And uh, right now I'm, uh, I'm at EVA. And basically what, I'm, what, what is my interest, my field of interest within EVA is to find new way of uh, uh, building new economies that are more uh, democratic and uh, in which all the resources are shared among the people who are involved with, within the ecosystem. All right, Raphael. So my name is Raphael. I'm from Canada as well, the French part, Quebec. Uh, I act as a CTO of EVA. I've been onto software engineering for my entire life, basically. Uh, started as a child and then uh, I've been programming, doing reverse engineering, doing uh, a lot of stuff on the computer since then and uh, <clears throat> I started uh, seeing blockchain as a revolutionary way of doing software uh, probably one year and a half ago I came in late but um, I saw that the possibilities were really really awesome like to create companies with new uh, model of business and uh, I and I was doing uh, deep learning before this so my background is in software engineering and I'm the CTO here at EVA. All right. And Mr. Jake from the DAP cast. Hey. Yes, I am. Uh, I used to, oh, I have a background in computer engineering. I went to Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University. So um, I had a focus there in aviation. And uh, I worked at Rockwell Collins and that's when I first heard about Bitcoin. My boss uh, mentioned how he was heating his home and his basement with Bitcoin mining rigs back in 2014. <laughs> how interesting. You yeah. know, I went to a Sierra Academy of Aeronautics, but I almost went to Emory Riddle out, out in Florida. Is that where you went? Yeah. yeah oh, that's where I went. How cool, man. You look like a pilot. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> got Not as a look to you. Yeah, that. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's just uh, after you learn, know about, after you get to know a lot of these pilots, it's it's kind of scary to know that they're going to fly your planes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I definitely second that. Some of my good friends are pilots, and it's like well, you have hundreds of lives in your hands, and I, I'm not going to tell anyone about you. <laughs> um, exactly. Yeah. That's why I'm very thankful for UAVs and AI. <laughs> Yeah, perfect. I know we need the, the AI and the machine learning to take over here, Raphael. So, um, yeah. 
Yeah, it sounds like, I mean, you guys come from some diverse backgrounds, but you found your way to the EOS blockchain. So kind of on that note, what do you think the most exciting thing going on in EOS right now is and, and kind of where's the whole blockchain at? Honestly, on my side, uh, we decided to do EVA before uh, choosing EOS. And the one thing we were looking at is like, where can we have like a real application where people don't have to notice it's working on blockchain. So like the benefits of blockchain are present, but like not the, the problem which has been scalability that we have, we've seen a lot with Ethereum uh, and other platforms as well, like NEO. Uh, so basically, it's the delegated proof of stake that is enabling like many transactions at a time. And the thing I'm excited to see the most right now is inter-blockchain communication. So we can have sidechains and the community has been talking a, a lot about it. So I'm excited to see this. But what I've been excited so far to see is how many transactions we can do. And now it makes ride-sharing possible on the blockchain and ride-sharing is... Uh, one of the industries where you can remove the third-party middlemen. So we're pretty excited for scalability. And one, one amazing thing about EOS is when we joined in, uh, what we found was a huge community, a community with uh, other centralized applications, but as well as with like a potential uh, block producers. And this community was really helpful. Uh, just to mention a few of them, EOS Venezuela, uh, EOS Israel, or other D apps like, uh, I mean, they're amazing people like Everypedia uh, building uh, this amazing content and helping each other. So that was also a great part when we joined EOS was this whole community that... Yeah, and the whole hackathon with Block One. Uh, the, like we flew to London and met them and it, it's been really great so far to have, uh, to meet the community too. Yeah. Yeah, you know, someone, uh, I mentioned this in a show with, uh, with BitJoy, the, the past show, but I really think this part about the blockchain being invisible to the user is, is so important. It sounds like that's something that Eva is going to be integrated and focusing on also. But the conversation in the past has been this conversation to the user about all these steps and things that you need to learn so that you can implement blockchain in your, in your life. And that's not, that's not the steps that are going to get adopted. It's, it's this more of this focus on the UX, how people yeah. interact without knowing the fact that it's actually easier or just as easy with some extra benefits. Um, and the invisible blockchain, I think is this next step that we're starting to get into. So, um, Cool that you guys kind of yeah that. i think we uh, in blockchain communities we've spoken a lot about education the fact that users need a lot of education but the truth is if you want to do a mass market product people are often lazy and they don't want to learn some some new steps about like how to handle complicated keys or complicated systems so the the challenge is to engineer blockchain systems that are simple and like really efficient to use for users. So the UX is awesome. So the idea is really to remove, uh, the challenge is to remove the barriers so that anyone, my grandmother, my girlfriend, my, my friends can just use Eva without having, or any D apps without having to play with like private public keys or uh, uh, several cryptocurrencies. So just to have like to the, the service, like in, in the case of Eva to move from point A to point B and that's it. Yeah, and I, I, I just realized this last week, but we, we don't, 
we're just focusing, I feel like a lot of the people in the crypto community are focusing too much on the blockchain and how it can change people's lives and industries and create separate ones. But what we re need to understand is unless we have the human attention and have, you know, mass market adoption, then it won't really matter. These companies will just create uh, what we already have created out from right under us. Um, you looked at that with the uh, music industry. They created a music-based blockchain where they could um, enable better payouts to artists and things like that. But Spotify was just like, okay, we'll just, we're just going to create this, and now we're just going to open our whole platform up to every single artist out there. So it's it really doesn't matter what that other blockchain company did because now the the, the current person who already has the mass market share is just going to innovate regardless of what, they, what they're going to do. And, and that's, the, that's very true too. Uh, I think Uber just announced that they will be giving shares to their, some of their partner drivers in this idea of, you know, the, the tokenomics in which uh, drivers have a word to say within the ecosystem. So you're right, Jake, on that saying that uh, traditional companies are trying to kind of blockchain themselves to decentralize themselves. And uh, so the idea is really to get to the, you know, this humanistic approach to get to the people and explain what are the benefits uh, of, of using the application, but also the, the, that the user experience is even better. Yeah, that's a, <clears throat> that's a great segue. Why don't you tell a kind of the user story for, for Eva of how you envision this app working and then kind of what the benefits are over something like Uber? Yeah, uh, at the end of the show, we'll be able to send a sneak peek of uh, the, the whole app because it's developed and we're launching it. So basically, awesome. uh, people, uh, they actually connect with uh, their phone number, like an account is binded to a phone. It's working on iOS and Android. Mm -hmm. So like the whole encryption part, the private key is living uh, under the roof within the app and it's communicating with the EOS blockchain. So basically, the user is using an app that is even simpler than Uber to use, basically, because you just choose wherever you want to go, and then you pay with your credit card. So we created this third-party uh, bank within the app that issues stable tokens. So basically, uh, we have a stable token that we've built on EOS that is backed by US dollar. And then people, uh, rider and driver, exchange this token within a smart contract that they, they bought with credit card. At the beginning, we were wondering if we would only take cryptocurrencies, but uh, we really created the app in order for my grandmother to use it. And we had to process credit cards, so we created this uh, fiat bridge within the app for this stable token. So basically, we have a, a rider and a driver. Uh, the driver has the same app as the rider, but uh, he has driver capabilities uh, on the smart contract so that he can put himself online. And there's uh, communities that can start themselves a bit all around the world. So for example, I have a taxi company and I decide that I want the technology to compete with Uber. As long as I am compliant with giving out 5% to the tokenomics, I can use this technology, decides what's the price per minute, the price per kilometer, decide what's my right dispatching algorithm and all those uh, parameters. So the app is working uh, like Uber with a map and uh, really simple to use. 
And I think that the most important point for the future rider and future driver members is to keep in mind that the driver will get more money and then that, that the rider, because their share that Eva takes is much more lower than what Uber takes. So the rider pays less. So at the end of the day, everyone gets uh, more money in their pocket. And the idea is also uh, for the people who have more like a social consciousness is that the economy is kept locally. The problem with oh, yeah. third party middlemen, and I was, we can point out uh, Uber, but also Airbnb and other uh, applications like that, is that they're aggregating the economy. They're basically taking uh, one fourth of each transaction and investing it in countries where they have like some uh, tax uh, benefits. So let's call it like that way. So the idea is uh, the people that is a grassroots project, that the project is local and the economy stays local and it benefits the one providing the service, which is in this case, the driver member. It's also really cool for the driver because when you get your income from rides, for example, I'm driving around town and I'm giving rides, I can choose, I can decide that 15% per se will be invested in the, the, the reward token so I can receive passive income. So like drivers can become in a certain way shareholders within the tokenomics so that these people uh, dri driving all around can be also part of EVA. So EVA is not Darden and I and Jake, it's all the drivers and all the riders. So like EVA is like this whole decentralization of ride sharing together. And also the future token holders will have a word to say because the token, the, the EVA reward utility token is a governance token. So within the ecosystem uh, to choose future decision regarding the development of the, the application or a future project within the EVA network. So that's, that's a good point to all involved interests have a, have a stake within the, the ecosystem. I really like this idea of these micro economies and it sounds like Eva's fitting in with that as well. Um, the Bancor has this really cool vision of of every network having an economy into itself. So every small group of specific network having its own uh, transactions. And and what you're talking about is kind of that that shift as well, where instead of yeah. some mega corporation funneling out all the funds out of all these networks all over the world into one place, and then you know doing that the it's a way to keep funds within their microeconomies, benefit the people actually um, exchanging value there. And so that, that's, that's a huge bigger picture idea of what Eva is doing. It's also a solution for local governments because right now uh, we're seeing, especially in the people uh, like writing uh, industry, uh, there's a delocalizing uh, happening right now with like you used to have the taxis industry that is uh, year after year losing some market share and then you've you see companies like uber or lyft delocalizing this industry that used to be local so it's seen as a as a solution but it's not only for like the the transport of people industry that has application in many uh, many industries where technology just arrived and like you had this third parties that were actually bringing back the money in another area. For example, uh, here in Montreal, where uh, we have Uber, uh, this money doesn't stay local because the profits are recorded in, so by Uber. Yeah. Basically, the members, what they get is the, the, the control over their mobility, their economy, and their data. 
And this is aligned with our three main goals, or I mean right, values, which are life, liberty, and localization. So the idea to localize the economy, to keep it at the city level, and to, to benefit everyone involved. Yeah, and so that localization, it seems like that's almost a, a selling point when you're going into these cities. Do you picture, or, or let's just talk about Montreal. When you were trying to get accepted into Montreal, it sounds like you've talked to the city. Was that one of your selling points? Uh, yes and no. I mean, when we talk to politicians, it's a more, uh, some more, they don't understand all these aspects. Uh, mm -hmm. They don't understand what's blockchain. Uh, they, they heard about Bitcoin and like the regulations part, but it's uh -huh. like, it's a big no. They don't see, uh, they don't see yet what's blockchain all about in, uh, in the way it can revolutionize the way people do companies. So what we're selling them is uh, what we're telling them is this local, uh, entity structure. So what Eva promotes is to have these local cooperatives. Cooperatives are member-owned companies. So they are legal or registered companies, but owned by their members. And the way it will be working, at least for the province of Quebec and Ontario, is there will be a multi-stakeholder cooperative that will be uh, in charge of the daily operations, the security issues, let's say, for the uh, who's driving, what they, do they need to have. They will be responsible for the pay the taxes, to pay uh, subsidies if there are, uh, to set all the, the driving parameters like the price per kilometer, the search pricing, price per minute, uh, dispatch call algorithms. So all this will be uh, uh, the responsibility of the, the local co-op and these politicians like it because first they understand uh, this language, they understand what is a cooperative, they understand what's the goal, but also they like the fact that it's a more local way to uh, for the problem of uh, Uber or eventually Airbnb and other uh, applications like this. Okay, so you're saying that actually the the sell to each government is that you're going to have more of a, a local company that you can work with here, so they can follow whatever your local laws regulations are, and each of them are going to yeah. do that individually as opposed to some someone yeah so basically uh th this is how the whole like structure is so basically uh there's communities all around that are recording in the smart contract that they're recorded and now they can operate the protocol or the app and basically those communities have the cryptographic access to uh add drivers within their community so basically it means that when a driver is added to a community is compliant with local laws so that they respect what the depending on their jurisdiction we have different laws and those drivers have to be compliant with those laws to be added in their community so we have a community level authorization on the smart contract so that communities can decide parameters of their proposal within EVA ride-sharing technology, but they can also decide if they can elevate the privilege from a rider onto a driver in this community as well. Yeah, so there, go ahead. You see this a lot in different countries. I believe in Korea, they just banned Uber because what Uber did is they just came in regardless of what the law was and just were like, okay, we're going to take over the market. Yeah, and so um, Korea has yeah. kicked them out now, and they've now put in their own Uber-like system. And I so, definitely think it's a better approach because all those nodes or communities or cooperatives launching in some cities, they're 
entrepreneur from the locality, so they know pretty well what's their society and how it's operating. They know well their market, they, and they know well how to operate within it instead of uh, companies coming from the U.S. Uh, installing in those markets. And I think one of the good approach is, and we said it uh, earlier, is to have this humanistic approach. So the community there, let's say the community is based in the in Montreal, and in Montreal there's a lot of, let's say, driver members coming from Algeria or uh, or uh, Tunisia. So this community can organize, you know, festivals, can organize uh, uh, gatherings, uh, football games. So the idea is really to, to, to bring a sense of uh, belonging for the driver members so they can feel that they have like this entity supporting them within their daily uh, operations. And Jake mentioned Korea, but even if, uh, where you're from, uh, Brandon in uh, BC, I mean, Uber is not allowed in Vancouver. And Vancouver is one of the greatest cities of Canada. But the, the reason is the governments don't like this approach of uh, you know, centralized companies, Came, coming in and just like setting up their prop, their own rules. Yeah, it makes it, it, it and it makes it so much more flexible. Like like Jake was saying about Uber just kind of coming in with this blunt force, and we're gonna just you know see what happens. Um, because there's even small things just within the states, like some places, like maybe where Jake lives or where I live, people would wanna and would be okay with with getting picked up in an old pickup truck. But like that's not gonna fly with Uber. But within these communities with different social norms, it, it's it's something that opens up a whole door of possibilities. And then you talk about not just between state and state within a small where I am, but we talk about globally, these, these whole different cultures of how ride sharing is utilized. And Uber is just such a, um, you know, such a, a strict, a strict um, box to basically put the whole world in, just operate this way and just, you know, so that, that's interesting how you got to the, the great point of having this decentralized network is let's say uh, uh, you're from a, like you said, a small city and <clears throat> within the, the local community, you want to develop inter-urban uh, uh, mobility application, then you can, with us, implement it there. So we can develop it and then you implementing here uh, in, in, your, in your city. So we can develop all these uh, specific settings for each locality We've been talking for some, with some folks in Burundi. Uh, we're planning to, to launch there uh, this winter. And he asked us, uh, one of the guys asked us, will it be possible to have the option yeah, of normal cars, but also of the, these little tuk-tuks with like three, uh, three seats for the, the, the motorcycles? And we said, yes, like, why not? We can just uh, change some settings of the app. And then you can have within your, within your community other uh, other choices that other communities don't have. And this is the beauty of decentralization. Yeah. So it, so it sounds like you guys are a uh, basically a software company. And then as Jake put it in the DAPcast, you're enabling all of these communities, all these Uber-like communities around the world. So um, you guys are basically building the sandbox for everyone to build their own specialized community-driven localized uber on top of so exactly uh, with all the same branding and the same uh, quality insurance in all those communities so people can be confident with the name and actually have a say right so how do you how do you what is kind of the the common thread or the quality assurance how do you tackle that over 
over kind of the entire globe. Mm. Well, it's a, I will say it's a step-by-step -step process. So right now we're working one by one with uh, all the people from different communities who have an interest in having this ride-sharing application. Uh, first, first and foremost is to have this, uh, we want to build, uh, we want to make sure that these communities are aware of this decentralized process so that uh, we don't want local communities taking, because the communities will, will be able to take whatever share they want to take from each ride. We don't want a community, let's say, who uh, takes 20% of each ride because this will be the same as you were, you know? So at first there was just like all the governance process structure of like, uh, a proper D app and this idea of taking less to give more to the people. Uh, and then also is all the, the, the service providing. So there must be a customer service there. So in idea, the idea is to support the, if there is a problem or if someone loses something within the ride or, and then uh, Jake and I will be working on this to more like formalize all this process of uh, quality insurance. We also have an on-chain uh, rating system so that uh, the, the ride is actually dispatching priority to a good, a well-rated driver. So the system provides an incentive to get the closest driver uh, from your location, but also the, the best rated. So basically, if you're a bad human being or you're just unpleasant, uh, you'll get bad ratings and uh, you'll be unprioritized when it's time to have a ride. So that's a mechanism we have technologically to avoid uh, bad drivers. Uh, but also we have the EVA Foundation that at first will be deciding each new communities and approving them to make sure that uh, the, the people there will, that the foundation will do a vote to actually confirm this new community. And this new community has to be a solid team, a serious team as well. And they have to uh, be compliant with the law they have and to, uh, to, to like be, <laughs> to be in law because they're, they're having the EVA branding and they're now part of the, the whole protocol and the community with their community yeah and i think what you kind of what you mentioned already about the drivers having uh, ratings on chain i think we should also have riders have ratings yeah. on chain like that it's it's not a shoal it's already there <laughs> okay good <laughs> and the idea is you mentioned the roles of the foundation so the the eva foundation is really uh he has to develop and maintain the technology, but it's also the first is to ensure uh, an intercooperative governance to make sure that everyone understands the process. If there's a problem, we're helping the, uh, the local people there. If they get a lawsuit from, uh, I don't know, a Uber, uh, Uber there or a taxi company or anyone within the city. So it's really to work hand in hand with these uh, cooperative communities to develop, to uh, make their uh, marketing plan and also all the financial yeah. needs. At this point, we built the actual ride sharing app, the MVP, but right now we're working on uh, the whole community tool so that uh, administrators of a community can actually see what rides are currently going on in their community and do some kind of uh, con like 
quality insurance so that they can decide their price. And we're doing a web platform so for communities so that using scatter so that these communities don't have to uh, to know software or use a Unix terminal to actually operate uh, with the technology. And we'll, providing, we'll be providing them all the tools as the foundation to operate well. And, and, and as Raphael mentioned, this web platform will be uh, online by this winter. And by the tools, uh, we're, we already have a model business plan, a model marketing plan. So how to study the market to know like which, like, which customers should be yours and uh, where to promote Eva, where to put posters, where to dis distribute promotional codes. So all this is in process of being made. Yeah, and what's cool also is that the marketing strategies, uh, we, we define two marketing strategies that these communities can actually use within the smart contract. So they, they can basically uh, issue some promotional codes from their own uh, communities so that they can distribute it in their market. And there's also a referral system that is built in and the community is deciding what are the parameters of this referral system. So it's pretty abstract, but it's all tools that uh, we'll bring to communities to establish well. Yeah, so it sounds like you've built, you're basically going to build a, a framework that needs to be followed to kind of ensure some sort of, you know, some sort of EVA branding so that you're supporting them being, um, you know, there, there's driver ratings and there's, and there's these things that kind of keep them in line. But as well, it sounds like they're going to need to be, uh, the community is going to need to be started up by some sort of company itself that's going to follow yeah. the local regulations. Yeah. It's not just, I can't just go in Santa Cruz and start giving Eva rides. I'd need to have like, well, do it, some work first. It, it depends. Uh, as I said, as I mentioned, is a case, case per case. It can be companies. It can be a local group of drivers. It can be anyone or uh, anyone who has the potential to just develop the community. But it depends on the city. In a city like Montreal or Vancouver or Seoul in, in South Korea, uh, the regulations are so high that there's a need to have a local registered entity. But in, let's say in a, in a place like Prishna, Kosovo, uh, there's no regulations there. There's no tax regulations. So you can just like launch your application with a bunch of people and make it run. You might have a community, like you will be having like, uh, some sort of uh, uh, rec recognized community, but there is no, there, there's no need for a legal established uh, company or a legal established uh, cooperative. So it's a case per case uh, scenario, but on a large scale, these communities can be taxi companies, can be uh, a bunch of drivers, like Uber partner drivers, can be a people, like people from the folks I, I was saying you, I was telling from a, Burundi who just want to have uh, a ride-sharing application that is not Uber within their uh, city. So it, it can be anyone who has the potential to just develop it, but it needs to come from like the local groups. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, you mentioned that <clears throat> that they're going to have within within their sandbox, they're going to have the ability to change the the rates that the communities paid or that comes back to the to the drivers I think um, what's the is there a range Do you have a cap on that basically because you said what uber takes 20% and you want to stay under that are yeah. you are you gonna hard cap that at 15% or are you gonna kind of leave that open-ended or how's that look the local community cannot take more than 10% okay so you have overall, a cap on it 
there's 5% going within the EVA ecosystem. So there's 1% for the, 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 the foundation for the, uh, the technology itself. There's 4% which is distributed among all token holders. So everyone who stake their token, they get proportionally 4% of each rise. As and passive then, income. Yeah. And then the local community can set up uh, a share from the right, but that cannot go over 10%. So the, the maximum can, can be 15%. And we need to understand that, and this is a case for let's say Montreal, uh, the local cooperative needs this 10% to develop the market, uh, to, oh, yeah. to make promotion, to, uh, to have like to rent a space. Uh, and the drivers need this as well because there are so many requirements. Here, uh, drivers need to have a formation, drivers need to have a, uh, a criminal record background check. So we need people to actually uh, real people working there just to uh, to take all these files and to to, to uh, communicate with the government. So the cooperative here takes 10%, and this is for marketing, for uh, uh, the promotion, for local events, and everything. Yeah, but the profits uh, recorded by this cooperative, if there are some, yeah. are distributed as uh, to the drivers. So basically, at the end of the year, when there's profit. In a, in a cooperative, it's distributed equally among all drivers. That so it's proportionally to their uh, involvement within the uh, cooperative. And Raphael mentioned this great point is that this is one of the points that why we like cooperatives that is that legally you can share profits without having uh, to pay taxes on these profits. There's a special name for, uh, we call them, uh, what's the name in, in English? Uh, kind of dividends but it's not dividends it's uh yeah and it's like that in canada but uh the cooperative system exists in many jurisdictions as well so as eva foundation will be encouraging people to uh, register cooperatives but it can be incorporated companies taxi companies anything that wants to operate in a legit way yeah and I, i'm trying to <clears throat> wrap my head around and just kind of simplify the financials so that it's easy to understand. But basically let's say that, is it fair to say Uber takes 20% of every yeah. ride? So let's say that Uber takes 20% of every ride and that 20% goes to Uber, the corporation. Yeah. Uh, when you look at Eva in a comparison, it it's capped at 15% of every ride, but a lot of that in the, the profits are going back to Eva, the, community basically yeah exactly so it's coming back to token holders that can be drivers can be investors can be riders and it's going back to the local cooperative operating their own node or community uh, in their area which then shares a profit yeah. and there's there's a 1% that goes to the worldwide foundation to provide the technology so basically uber takes 25% for all its uh, services Eva, as a tech provider, takes only 1%, and this is what Eva takes as an entity. Then 4% goes to the token holders, and then the local co-op or community choose whatever they want to choose. But Uber takes 25%, which is a quarter of the right. Okay, and so that's how you see, basically, with Eva, the big idea behind Eva is 
people pay a little bit less for their ride and the drivers and the community supporting the ecosystem make the profits. And, and, so the, and the local business super, uh, supporting the ecosystem is local as well. So and it's, it's nicer for governments, for cities, and it's nicer for drivers because really often they're stakeholders in this uh, local business as well. Very cool. That is, that is a big idea. Um, so a little bit earlier, you guys mentioned um, when you're telling the story of, of the user experience that people sign up with a telephone number and then yeah. the private keys are managed kind of in a, in a behind, behind a, a, a screen. So do they have to interact with their public and private key at all? Or is it just, you know, just plug your phone number in and that kind of happens in a back door? And, and what's that look like? Yeah, right now we're looking at uh, wallet solutions on mobiles, but the problem is remain that is that at each smart contract call, the 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 thing has to be signed. So basically, uh, it would gives a crappy user experience if you ha you would have to open another app each time you're uh, interacting with the smart contract because our smart contract does a lot of stuff because it's ride sharing. So basically, uh, it's all happening within the mobile app. It's, it acts as a wallet as well for their private key and public key as a rider or driver as well. So it's all signed under the, the roof and their account is with a normal password and with a mobile. But like Eva as an entity never have their private keys because the user, when he's recording, we encrypt the private key with his password and then uh, we uh, we receive it so that like it's under the roof encrypted. Um, so basically, if the the servers of Eva would get hacked, nobody will have access to any identity or any private key of anyone. That's basically. Uh, but like it's all happening with the keychain of the local phone, so that uh, the it's within the app in the protocol, and people log in with their phone number and a normal password and then <clears throat> will people when they're receiving their let's say they're receiving a payout they're receiving that in uh eva tokens and then is that yeah. automatically converted to usd and they can transfer it out uh, and they can have tokens actually the, the stable token is never shown within okay. the app as a stable token it's backed by the us cent so basically the driver only sees dollars within the app and then he when he pays back, when he wants fiat back, if he don't want to invest directly in the other token, which is the speculative one, so people get passive income from, uh, they they move it back to the exchange and get fiat money in exchange of their stable token. Okay, or they can put it into the EVA token and, and stake it basically within the app. Yeah, exactly, and receive passive income if there's a worldwide success okay. from the 4% the treasury we just talked about. So... Uh, it gives a way for uh, drivers to just make money like they do with Fiat because those people need to pay groceries and they need to get paid in Fiat because right now the world is operating in Fiat money. We're not at this point where we have a, a good decentralized stable token. One there, once there's one on EOS, we'll just uh, use it because we'll be really glad to uh, give this work to another uh, bunch of people so that we can concentrate more on ride sharing, but now we had to come up with this stable token. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like um, Dan's, hopefully Dan has this solution of, 
a unique identity on the blockchain. And it sounds like that'd be a big piece to kind of streamline things for you. Um, what is that? How's Dan's idea work? <laughs> if you don't, and then, honestly, uh, <laughs> honestly, I've been, uh, I've been seeing and talking with uh, other mentors at the hackathon and block one people. Um, I've seen, I didn't know what Dan said, but I know there's a uh, KYC, uh, People are talking a, a lot about KYC and identity on the blockchain. I think that's a great use case for blockchains. But in the current design of EOS.io technology, I just wonder how it can be done because you can always exchange your own keys. So the keys cannot be binded to an identity because I can just change it. And also I can sell my account to another account name. So mm -hmm. the account name can be changed and the, the keys as well can be changed. So what is binded right now in the protocol? I don't know. So like, right, uh, I can go in on this a little bit more. Um, yeah. Worldly.io is a sister chain to EOSIO, to the EOS mainnet. And so they're doing KYC on chain. And uh, I feel like they're changing the software. So where you can't do a lot of those things that you mentioned, I mean, sure you can change the keys, but that count it will still be linked to some sort of identification and you might need to redo it every time you change the keys. Um, and then uh, of course the other um, sister chain, Telos, uh, they're, they're gonna provide a lot of ways so people can get accounts on a consistent and regular basis. Interesting. Do you guys see that? Um, do you guys see that identity, some sort of identity solution being an important part of Eva? Or do you think that uh, you can kind of run with it without that, uh, without that identity solution? I, I think it'll be important, at least for the communities that want to come on and for the, the driver members. But beyond that, I don't know. Well, yeah, yeah I guess with the reputation stuff. system, go ahead. Yeah, if, if there, there's a reputation system built in, if there's, a, if there's a crime or something happening in the community, that's uh, local laws and uh, we can not comply to the, the name or any, any information because it's a crime happening there. It's not basically the fault of Eva if like such a thing happens, but on the individual. So basically... Um, we have a system for that so that communities have a phone number binded to the account name for the drivers. Like when they're issuing it, they're issuing it as well as other private information like the, the brand of the car and uh, like the name of the individual so that they can reach themselves. And we have unchained sharing of secrets uh, because when there's a ride, like the drivers needs to communicate with the rider their phone number Mm -hmm. And there's an on-chain encrypted message that is passed within the smart contract so that these two people can exchange a secret. And we're using asymmetrical uh, encryption to do that. So basically, the writer sends his phone number encrypted with the public key of the driver and the driver does the same thing to the writer. Yeah. Well, that, that makes a ton of sense. Okay. Well, that's uh, I can't wait till it comes to Santa Cruz when it, when it gets, done, <laughs> I'll help you guys set up your community. That's um, that's cool. What, what's your, what's your rollout plan look like as far as right now um, you're, you're in a launch city and then kind of what you plan one by one or what, what do the next steps look like? Well, we have a set of priority. Uh, as Raphael mentioned, we have like some more technical work to do. We need to build this uh, web platform for the local communities. 
We also want on the long term to develop uh, intercity uh, uh, mobility within the options within the application. But so far, we've been in communication with several people from different cities. Uh, I will mention uh, Algiers in Algeria, uh, Mexico, Kosovo, uh, Mexico, in the state of Mexico, uh, in the city of Pristina and Kosovo, Austin in Texas, uh, but as well several other cities. Uh, yeah, we have some people in New York too that are willing to launch Eva and Toronto too. And we've been in communication with people in uh, in Burundi from the city of uh, Bujumbura. So and as as the moment there's people who wants to develop it, we just work with them. And basically what's happening right now is we're having this open beta launch in Montreal as the first city where we're at. So we'll be launching the first community to uh, actually see the process and improve it so that we can optimize it for uh, like other communities and create the software at the same moment so we can facilitate uh, other communities. And we also need to improve uh, within the open beta, the product, so we're sure that people like it and uh, it's built the way the user experience is as good as, as it should be because uh, we need to provide tools for making it really easy to do ride sharing. And that's what we've been trying so far internally with the team and now it's time to let the word out and let the people try it. Do you see the um, expansion into cities? You mentioned a lot of cities outside, um, let's say, North America. Do you see the expansion into cities, well, globally as, as, a, as kind of an easier foot in the door for beta testing before there's like these real heavy regulations, let's say, in, in less regulated spots for testing? Um, right now, we launched in Montreal, which is an heavily regulated uh, city. Uh, well, we... Yeah, we could have gone somewhere else where it's uh, it's a free market and you can just like take your car and use the app and it's working fine. But we feel like the most interesting markets right now are uh, heavy regulated because it's mainly in the US and Canada or Great Britain or a lot of those countries. And uh, those markets are heavily regulated and we need to come up with a way for communities to be compliant with those because I think that blockchain should work in the real world and has to um, to work with the, the laws uh, providers uh, so that we can operate well and actually create a business that is decentralized. So that's the way we're doing it. And we started with the most heavily regulated uh, project uh, city. But we've been in communication, as I told you, with people in Burundi, but I also forget to mention uh, Uganda. So in the city of Kampala, so there's a lot of cities uh, in what we call developing countries, which are amazing countries, but uh, in these countries where uh, there's no regulation and people would like to have a, a, a ride-sharing application without uh, any uh, useless middleman. So we're also working with them. These are great opportunities. Uh, in most of these countries, the people are very young, so people uh, are like knows how to use. Uh, technology so these are great opportunities for us we have different issues there like uh, it's not everyone who has a credit card most of the people just pay with like paper cash so this is a problem too so we're working with micro credit uh, companies there or NGOs to, to see how we can fit their uh, their system within ours so these are some challenges we have with uh, 
more smaller cities or unregulated cities. Yeah, I think, I mean, that's, that's great that you guys are starting in Montreal and in places that are heavily regulated because you get that, the, basically get the hard part out of the way and let it, let it trickle down the other places. Um, and I hadn't thought of that because there's, there's two big types of impacts that we look at here. There's the impact on somewhere like uh, Canada or the United States where, where Uber is, where basically the drivers are and the community are in need of a little bit lower fares and the drivers deserve to be paid more and you can localize and you can kind of decentralize this Uber corporation. Uh, but then on the other end, there's places where maybe they don't even have Uber, but they would like a, a tool to be entrepreneurs and develop their economy. And so you're not just getting rid of Uber in some places, you're actually adding jobs. Exactly. And Uber has uh, had a difficulty to penetrate in those markets so far because, uh, they're culturally not aware of uh, how it works, basically, so that the decentralized way is helping us to get there because the local people know their society pretty well. So that's a way if with an abstract protocol that they can use to operate their business, they can install their community pretty well. And just to let you know, in some, I've been in Brazil like a few months ago, and uh, people told me, Uber drivers told me what people do there in order to to use the, you know, the connection that Uber provides, but not to pay within the Uber, is rider members call, like the riders call the rides, and w once the driver is, is there, they cancel the ride. So they, they pay the cancellation fee, but they don't have to pay all the fees that goes like 25% uh, for Uber. Oh, wow. People pay with cash. So people are aware, I feel, with like, this kind of technology, but are also aware that 25% of each ride is too much. And this, this was really interesting, uh, happening a lot in Brazil. Wow, I, I hadn't heard of that. That's, I mean, when people are doing stuff like that, that's a great um, insight that the, the system isn't one size fit all, fits all. So that, that's, that's a brilliant example. That's, that's big. Yeah. Um, what do you think your guys' biggest hurdle to overcome at this point for, for eBay is? What's like the toughest thing you're dealing with? And this isn't necessarily a bad thing because uh, every startup has to overcome a lot of hurdles. I was actually listening to Tim Ferriss podcast about uh, Uber starting in San Francisco and how they just kind of started trying. I mean, they figured it out along the way and look, you know, look where they're at. So, um, yeah. So anyway, what, what's, what's the, uh, what's the, what is the biggest hurdle for you guys at this point? There's a lot of them uh, <laughs> <laughs> at every level. I will say uh, the legal way, like the legal aspect the more financial aspect the product itself the biggest one i will say would be the i would say the dilemma between uh the old corporate world and the new economy on blockchain so that like a lot of uh, investors are looking for equity and uh, we want to do a decentralized community with a, a foundation so basically a dac so that uh, there's there's a lot of challenges uh, regarding this to uh, find the proper way of doing things, uh, accepting investment for, uh, for for them doing the launch in many cities over the world. And one more uh, concrete problem is also uh, uh, the the market itself. Uh, we're we're launching in Montreal on uh, October 29th, 
and it's really hard in order to have a, like a sustainable self-reliant ride-sharing ecosystem you need to have a shitload of riders to get drivers and it's really hard to get people to migrate from uber to eva and to get the comment of the people just to download the app itself uh, because people some people will use it once a month once like every two months so we need a large amount of people in order to have like daily rise happening and this is a huge challenge that we're facing right now with the first city but we will be facing with other cities as well so we're, it's, a, it's a learning process we're always learning and that's that's also a good thing though. yeah that that is a that's an interesting concept to think about that kind of the chicken or the egg like how do you get enough riders so there's enough drivers and how do you get enough drivers until there's enough riders so that a rider always has a driver type of, you know, um, what's that take? Does that take a big marketing campaign or does that take you guys hiring a bunch of drivers that will be on standby to like make it happen or well, uh, actually, um, the strategy for this is going from within the markets so that uh, you use a referral system and drivers can do Lyft, Eva and Uber as well. But, if they're shareholders for Eva, they can promote and refer it and get an incentive to refer some new users. So you can basically, uh, those people can have the three apps running in background and they get, uh, they, they actually do the drives for the, the ride that they get. Okay. So that, that actually makes a lot of sense. Then it's not a chicken or egg, the problem it's, it's the drivers come first because they're already there working, doing that with Lyft and Uber. You just get them to add a third app. And then there's a way to kind of onboard rider. Yeah, for the markets where Uber or Lyft is well installed, uh, it can be a strategy for providing uh, chickens that already have jobs and can promote Eva there so that they're all the adopters of the tech. But also the local community has some financial resources. So the co-op here raised a lot of money from uh, local partners and uh, the Eva in Quebec Montreal will be providing promotional codes the same way that uh, Uber is doing in some cities. So there will be people in the university campuses or in, like in the main places downtown Montreal providing uh, promotional codes saying like uh, download the app and you get like 20 Canadian dollars uh, for your first ride. So all these incentives, the idea is that we equip the, the community with several uh, uh, tools. So they have like this referral system, they can the, the co-op will be also able to pay some drivers to be like working on a, uh, at some like time slots in order to have like a supply. We'll be, we will be having this promotional code. So all these tools will be used by the local co-op with the data that will be on the, the open ledgers that people will be able to, like, to, to make it work. But yeah, it's still a chicken and egg problem, but there's tools to, uh, reduce it yeah um well i mean it makes a ton of sense and, and you guys it sounds like you've got obviously you've got so many of these angles figured out it's actually really impressive a lot of a lot of um for a lot of dApps or projects i talk to there's a lot of unanswered questions um with your team it sounds like 
there's there's hurdles to overcome, but at least you've thought through every question. You have a way to attack it, and uh, yeah. So I appreciate that. That's that's fantastic. Well, are, I'm sure there's some of the questions we haven't thought about yet. <laughs> well, you, you'll get to you'll get to experience those along the way. Don't worry. Yeah, <laughs> but we're still looking for those questions uh, really attentively. But uh, thanks for the feedback. It's cool. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I um, and, and when these when you guys continue to put yourself out there like this, um, inevitably people have YouTube questions or questions on steam it, or, you know, they come up with this angle, like, Oh my God, I didn't think of that. So, um, I'm sure you guys will get some, some good feedback as you, as you continue to launch here. Um, what, uh, is there kind of any big picture things or anything you want to add about, about Eva or anything you feel like we kind of glossed over at this point? Um, well, uh, we'll be like, stay tuned because we'll be launching in Montreal, on October 29th, uh, there's a launching event here. So if you, like, you're listening and you're based in Montreal, please uh, come. It's at our office space. Uh, uh, the address is online. And we're also present on most of the social media, so Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Telegram, uh, YouTube, Reddit, Steemit. Uh, so if you have questions, critiques, uh, suggestions, uh, insults, just share them with us <laughs> insults are best on yeah. twitter <laughs> we, we also have a telegram channel on which you can just join in and uh, chat with the team and all the community so uh, we just created this telegram channel you can come and talk cool what yeah. uh, what is your website our website is uh http eva.coop uh, so e-v-a-c-o-o-p basically, and there's a dot between the two words. And uh, you can get there and uh, the Telegram channel, the Twitter and, uh, and Facebook, everything's there. There's a white paper as well as the white paper, only in English, we're working on the translation, but there's the white paper, which is pretty complete, uh, explaining in a transparent way all the process, going from the technical stuff to more the... Yeah, I think it's uh, it's a 50 pages white paper. A lot of stuff is in there because we had to think about everything. Uh, but there's also a light paper if you want a summarized version of uh, Eva as well. Yeah, and I know uh, Jake, the white paper guy for a while, um, probably helped with the white paper a little bit. So that's cool. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, it was uh, it was a fun process. Yeah. I think we've been working on this paper for months, so we're just happy that it's there. But it's a it's a continual process. We're we're always updating it with new stuff. So yeah, yeah. and uh, I'll be providing a link uh, of the the demo of the app that we have. So basically, if you want to have a sneak peek of the technology and see uh, how simple it is and how it's working and how the UX looks, uh, I'll be sharing it too. Great. Um, yeah, I just noticed that your guys' website is eva.coop. I was thinking when, when I was uh, spelling it, I was spelling it C-O-U-P, like kind of like a, not, not even the correct spelling, but like a coupe, like a car. And, yeah. But it's actually co-op. Coop, yeah, co-op, which, exactly. So it's like a little double, you know, a little double meaning there. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. That makes it easy to remember. Uh, but Eva co-op, coop. Cool. Um, so I will, uh, October 29th is the launch of the beta. Uh, www.eva.coop 
is your website. We're going to have a demo link in the show notes. So, and then you guys are all over the socials if people want to find you. Um, and so any closing thoughts here? We can start with Darden. Well, uh, I think we have a lot of challenges uh, that we will still be facing, but we have a good, a smart, a small, but good team, well-prepared team. And we're also developing with like uh, partnerships with several other people. So I think we're in a good way. I just wanted also to thank you, Brandon. Uh, you were very attentive and a friendly guy. So it was great to talk with you. Also, like, yeah, like, uh, you know how to summarize well. So uh, thanks for the invitation. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. As a last word for me, I think it's time for the blockchain communities and whatever chain you're on is to uh, start making products that are simple and nice to use because I think we're at, after 2017, we're at this point where projects actually needs to create value. And I think it's, uh, it's because blockchain can bring a lot of good, I think, uh, depending how it's used. And I think it's pretty revolutionary. So I feel like uh, it has to, to get mass market adoption. And I feel like uh, we got to do that as people and for the best of humankind. So I think that's uh, my last word for this podcast. And thanks, uh, Brendan. It was really nice uh, talking to you this morning. You also. Mr. Jake. You know, they said it all. You know, we need to actually provide value to people and make things easier than what they already have. Because people don't care for the most part. They just want it to be easier. And that's what we're trying to do here at Eva. Absolutely. Centralize and disrupt. Yeah. yeah and uh, it, <laughs> let's start making products where people uh, are not the products, but are actually shareholders and they're part of the, the, pro like the, the process itself, itself instead of being sold uh, to other companies so you can sell them more stuff. I feel like uh, the, all the users of any kind of technological application should now be shareholders and uh, like of the process of the tech or whatever. So I think it's, uh, it's, it's great to do that. Absolutely. Well, and, and this is really what this space is all about right now is, is finding a way to add value. That's what, that's what 2019 is all about. Adding some real value. We've, you know, we've gone through our, you know, our little hype cycle where, where there's a lot of not a ton of value being added for in relation to the amount of uh, money flying around. So now we're in the, this next year is the year of adding value and whatever you can in whatever way you can. So um, I appreciate you guys are doing that with at Eva. So um, Raphael, Darden, Jake, it was wonderful, wonderful having you guys on. This is the EOS podcast. And, um, you know, this is, this is my baby lately, the EOS podcast. I've switched. I still do the YouTube videos, but uh, I'm really feeling like the podcast people can listen on their way to work. And, and that's how I consume information more often, especially long interviews. So um, the EOS podcast is where I would like you, my crypto friends to listen to uh, stuff like this about Eva. And then, uh, there's the San Francisco Hackathon coming up, and I'll be at the San Francisco Hackathon as a mentor. I'll probably see Jake there, obviously. Um, will you guys be at the Hackathon? Uh, I'll be at the San Francisco Hackathon as well, so it will be nice to meet you in person there. 
Cool. Well, I'll see you guys at the uh, San Francisco Hackathon. And then the Monday after the San Francisco Hackathon, I'm the MC at a secret special conference where you guys can come meet some of the block producers and hear some great talks um, put on by Investing with a Difference, uh, my buddy. And it's going to be in the Silicon Valley. So um, I'll be the MC there and I will link the conference in the show notes. So. Um, and I'll give you guys a little discount in the show notes. Well, I'll be there for that conference, and Jake will be there too. Good. We're gonna. It's gonna be a big, happy EOS family. We'll all be kicking it yeah. in the uh, Silicon Valley in a few weeks. So, um, well, thank you, Eva, for coming on, and uh, everything will be in show notes, my crypto friends. And uh, good to see you guys today. Have a great day. Have a great day too. Thanks. Yeah, take care. The money is not the prime asset in life. Time is, and uh, your time is. Just- Clap along.